0: Welcome to Home, Space & Reason, a podcast about creating a home that
1: thrives. Hi there, I'm Christina Browning, your host. If you feel like your household frustrations are stealing away your life hour by hour, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation with a bit of history and psychology, so this isn't your typical house podcast. I'm a realtor in and around Portland, Oregon, and a home functionality coach nationwide. I geek out on various subjects regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot. I pose questions for you to think through about your space and reason. This podcast is all positive, making adulting easier one podcast at a time. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. In this episode, let's discuss backyard home functionality and aesthetics, Gavin DeGraw, who sings the theme song for the WB drama series One Tree Hill said, I was introduced to country music around a campfire on a farm. There are few things in life as nostalgic as sitting around an open fire on a crisp starry night sharing stories, watching smoke rise, passing a ukulele around, and listening to the crackle of the wood ablaze. You might recall episode 13 called Creating Spaces for Gathering and Connection. I shared that a fire pit is one of those things that draw people in, no matter their age, to sit and talk, reminisce, and let their guard down. I'm a fan of biographies. I read a story about a guy whose life changed course that I thought you might enjoy too. Mike Bertelson grew up in a small town in the high desert of the American West. The outdoors was a huge part of his life—horses, hunting, fishing, all of it. As a kid, he was a firebug. You probably know a kid like him who just can't stop poking fires with a stick. Fascinated with matches and anything that burns on the Fourth of July. Well, Mike worked as a fly fishing guide in Jackson, Wyoming, but not having enough money for gas and fishing got old. And so, he went to law school. After the bar exam, he moved to the East Coast and eventually got the chance to work on the staff of a congressman from Arizona. He then worked as the Counsel for Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee in the U.S. House of Representatives. A few stressful years and an ulcer later, he eventually became a lobbyist representing the mutual fund industry. Still, he never lost the quiet calling and passion for the outdoors. Entertaining was a big part of his personal life. Get this, he was living on property that had been part of Mount Vernon, the home of George Washington, and he got to roam the estate. This is deep history, especially for the United States, because in 1754, George Washington began residing at Mount Vernon, a 3,000-acre estate and a house that likely approximated 3,500 square feet. By his death, Washington's Mount Vernon consisted of about 7,600 acres and an almost 11,000-square-foot mansion.
0: When I first moved to D.C., I'd never been east of Denver, and I spent the first two years in the part of the city without a car and stuff, so when I finally got to the point where I had a car and then had a wife, we I tried to find a place that was as natural as I could find, and immediately south of Washington, D.C. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but there's actually a national park called the George Washington Parkway that runs for eight miles along the bank of the Potomac River, and it runs from Old Town Alexandria to the mansion, to the estate. Just before we... Well, a few years before we moved there, the Ladies' Association of Mount Vernon that has plenary control of the estate and everything that happens there. And they sold off a little piece of property to pay for a complete renovation of the mansion. And that piece of property is what used to be the firewood forest for the estate. And there were some houses that were built down in there. I mean, there's no overhead lines, no nighttime lighting. It's just a really cool, natural, wonderful place. And we were lucky enough to buy a house there. And I would walk over onto the grounds three, four times a week, just because it's so cool. And then I was taking my kids there and et cetera, et cetera. And so they had a thing called Colonial Christmas And colonial Christmas is a very, very much different thing than commercial Christmas that we know now. But they had a couple of little braziers that were hanging on tripods that were designed to help people feel warm and fuzzy, but mostly warm because it can get bitterly cold there in the winter. And uh, my wife looked at one of them and said, you know, we should have one of these. And I thought, man, you know what? We totally should have one of those because I love fire. And I started thinking, yeah, but it needs a grill needs to come part
1: ever the outdoorsman he decided to create a fire feature that would draw people together in that same intimate and personal environment of a campfire but without the blackened rocks half burnt logs and dirt it had to be beautiful enough to entertain at the very highest levels of sophistication senators and the like but still feel comfortable and informal
0: Needs to be big enough to cook on and he just started thinking of all the elements that I would like to have. That was the genesis of the cowboy cauldron.
1: So we came up with a design that accomplished all of these things and the cowboy cauldron was born.
0: The original one was really crude. So it was made for me by a mining equipment repairman who lived out in Virginia. And he just cobbled it together out of scrap pieces of steel. Once I started burning it, and at the time I was I was the lobbyist for the mutual fund industry, so I was entertaining for a living and entertaining at a fairly high level. In the political world, as you probably know or certainly intuit, there's your, your personal life and your public life, and they're very carefully bifurcated. The people on one side don't participate in the other side much, etc. Around a cauldron, those defenses drop, and it became quite a feature of the political world that I was working in. People dubbed themselves the Cauldron Society, sort of like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, sort of an ethos. But then it turned out that the Cauldron Society has erupted sua sponte on its own without any coaching from me all over the country. For some reason, it just seems like a name that people choose for themselves, which I think is pretty cool.
1: After 15 years in politics, he moved his family back west. And upon arriving, his old buddies saw the cauldron he'd crafted, and they all wanted one.
0: And they said, oh man, that is super cool. You've got to make me one. Which I said, no way. There's no possible way I'm making you a cauldron. That went on for maybe, I don't know, three years.
1: But the one he had first made was complex, and he wasn't in the business to make them. Eventually, he gave in and made two more.
0: I said, okay, now we're good, right? Everybody's happy.
1: More calls started coming in.
0: I'm, I'm serious. Not two weeks later, I get a phone call. Hey, you the cauldron guy?
1: Could he please make one as a Christmas gift?
0: Uh, sure. Who are you? I'm Kurt's buddy. I live in Jersey. My daughter wants one for, for Christmas.
1: The avalanche had started, and there was just no stopping it.
0: Oh, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I was completely out of my league. That's how it started, honestly. And then, you know, more people asked for him, and more people asked for him, and I there's not a whole lot of bank holding company policy work that goes on in Salt Lake City, Utah, as you might guess. And I started thinking, well gosh, you know, supply and demand, there seems to be a there seems to be a strong demand for these things. I wonder what would happen if I tried to make them.
1: In 2008, the Cowboy Cauldron Company was formed in an attempt to keep up with demand. Since then, the design has been refined and new sizes have been added.
0: For example, just the grill has gone through nine separate design iterations. In fact, I've got a brand new one that I just unwrapped today that's the 10th design iteration of the grill. The grill's marvelous. I keep making changes as things go on to make them safer, easier to use, prettier, more robust, more versatile. It's funny because I'm moving out of a little auxiliary warehouse this week that I have been in for the last 10 years. I have 17 different tripod caps, each showing a slightly different alteration. Any designer will tell you that the hardest thing in the world is to do simple right virtually every single part of a cauldron has been changed and refined multiple times
1: if i were to buy a cowboy cauldron and for those of you who haven't seen it it's a cauldron hanging on a tripod so my question is then would it kill the grass underneath
0: so if you use the big one the ranch boss the answer is absolutely every time And the reason for it is that the depth of the basin is such that by the time you've got it low enough where you can see the fire, it's going to scorch the grass. And it reduces with each size reduction of cauldron that you make.
1: Tell us about the setup at your own home.
0: Okay. That's a really good question. The original cauldron that I had made was, was the prototype that is now the ranch boss. It's the big one. And that basin is 42 inches in diameter and weighs 220 pounds. And I love it, and so does my wife, and so do my kids, and, and, and. I'm in Salt Lake City right now, and it's hot here. It's topping out at the century mark almost every day, and the ranch boss is just too hot. So we've scaled down, and we're now working around something that's a fraction of its size. I'm sitting around the dude and the reason for that is I've been prototyping the crap out of it for months and I have the final market ready version done but we're still able to burn almost every night.
1: The fire pit is a reason to gather. It clearly lends itself to gathering and talking for hours. Let me tell you what happens as a realtor when I'm walking with buyers through a home and we venture into the backyard, and it happens to have a fire pit, complete with chairs all around it. They immediately imagine themselves there relaxing and enjoying their most favorite people. The process of envisioning yourself living there is the first step In a buyer thinking of making an offer. So not only are fire pits a warm and fuzzy attraction for you living at your home for years to come, but they're often attractive to buyers as well with visions of s'mores dancing in their heads.
0: There's a book that was written recently called The Social Conquest of Earth, and it was an exploration of how it is that organisms use social cooperative behavior bees and wasps and humans. The precondition for that kind of behavior is a defensible nest. And without a defensible nest, you can't have division of labor. So we literally evolved to fire and all of our social norms and mores have evolved to being in a circle around a fire.
1: A practice that stretches back far in history from cave dwellers to cowboys. Fire has been a central part of our survival, so we're hardwired to take pleasure in it. Matt Rossano, an evolutionary psychologist at Southeastern Louisiana University, explains, Early on, when fires were most often built of necessity rather than for entertainment, the people who maintained them had to cooperate in order to enjoy fire's benefits. Warmth, protective light, the ability to cook food... And these days, though their purpose may have changed, fires remain a tool of cooperation, Rossano says, often fostering conversations that are relaxed and emotionally positive. Let's approach fire pits from a functional angle, shall we? There are some people who are happy to simply dig a hole in the ground, line the edge with rocks, and call it good. But since this podcast truly deep dives into giving every space a reason, I wanted to discuss it at the next level. What are the types of gatherings I might have around my fire? Will we cook? How many people would be coming to the fire pit on a regular basis? If your sister lives just next door and they have four kids, you best be thinking about how many chairs you'll want and how big that circumference will need to be. Likewise, the fire pit itself will need to be proportionately large. The seating will need to be taken into consideration because Adirondacks, for example, have a wider footprint usually than a lawn chair, let's say. So let's talk about chairs.
0: The seating that you want around any cowboy cauldron are lightweight, upright chairs. And they can be as expensive as you wish to pay for or as cheap as those stackable nylon ones you get from a hardware store. The reason why is that when the cauldron burns, everybody is there. There's always somebody coming with more drinks or somebody going to get appetizers or, you know, one person scooches right up to get their feet underneath the cauldron to get them warm and then scooches back again. And so you want to have maximum flexibility. So, for example, there are 14 chairs on our patio, and when nobody's here, there are 12 chairs around a big table and two chairs sitting at the cauldron. And anytime we burn, and that's the nomenclature, hey, Mike's burning, Kurt's burning, everybody knows exactly what that means. So whenever somebody's burning, when we burn, the next morning when I go out to mop up, There will be 11 chairs around the cauldron.
1: So figuring out your optimal seating first, both in headcount and in what kind of chairs will be used, is a great place to start and then work backwards. The Cowboy Cauldron, for example, currently offers several sizes which can accommodate the small backyards all the way up to a massive ranch in the Smoky Mountains.
0: When you are looking for a cauldron and trying to size the one that's right for your lifestyle or your space, the salient issue isn't really the chair distance because the chair distance will vary as the fire and the weather and every other factor that goes on during the course of an evening evolves. But what you need is the footprint, which is where the three legs touch the ground. And then the important thing to remember as you do that, so if, for example, you went out and I said the footprint of Model X is six feet point to point, if you went out and put three beer cans on the ground to mark out that space, you'd think, oh, my God, that's huge. But it's not a hard-sided monolith that rises to the sky, and most of the space that's inside that footprint I call negative space, meaning it's available for use. So if you're standing there grilling on your cauldron, you're in that space. If you're sitting there with your feet underneath the basin, you're in that space. The other factor is where the legs touch the ground. I say mentally or literally draw a circle of about 18 inches and think about that as walk around space. You never wanna have a sharp corner that's got less than 30 inches around it. Your brain tells you that it's not comfortable so that's the salient diameter so if you think about the cauldron footprint think of it as an equilateral triangle but that has concave sides that curve inwards toward the center and then with a little ball at the end of each triangle point and that gives you the functional utility of a cauldron and if you've got a cauldron you're the host and it doesn't matter if it's your party or not um whoever's whoever's in charge of the fire is the de facto boss but the cauldron the cauldron isn't meant to be a place to dispose of yard debris although that's one of my favorite things to do with it it's designed to be the center of an outdoor experience
1: they're featured as guest amenities even at resorts and vineyards alike Tell me about the Four Seasons Resort at Kona.
0: There was a guy, the chef named Massimo Falsini. As, and as you might guess, he's, a, he's an Italian guy. And he's just movie star handsome. Big strapping, six two, six three dude. Very dynamic. And he bought it because he would lead people out, on, out into the reef for spearfishing. And he said, I can't bring people out of the water and have them sit around in the sand or on a gas grill so they bring their freshly caught fish right up out of the water and throw them onto a cowboy cauldron and that's cool.
1: Plan your fire pit at least 10 feet from your house and anything else flammable like sheds or decks or swing sets.
0: But they're also super versatile so it's a fabulous grill they're wonderful as a smoker you can put a fire underneath a cauldron and use it as cauldron and break the steak crawdad boil record or make soup or deep fried chicken or whatever and that's really great because it allows people to get super creative about what kind of event they want to to do without having to reinvest in any more stuff And they're super easy to store. The legs come apart, especially with the new unit, the dude, the legs are segmented. So they break down to three feet long. And so even if you live in a condo and the only storage you've got is your little storage closet that's down in the parking lot, you can tuck it away and it doesn't take up any space at
1: all. Mostly you'll want an open air space so nothing above catches on fire from hot air rising and sparks from the fire. Did you know there are fire pits that produce less smoke? Yes, some are designed just for this and can be especially helpful if you live in a more dense area with neighboring windows and doors just a stone's throw away. They might appreciate less smoke blowing through their windows on a summer's night. Whereas the cowboy cauldron exudes heritage and timelessness, the Brio fire pit Brio spelled B-R-E-E-O, out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, has a modern and more linear feel. The X-Series fire pits uses patent-penting X-airflow technology that creates much better primary air at the bottom of the fire pit. They found that by raising the air vents at the bottom of the fire pit, they were able to keep oxygen coming in even after a lot of ash had built up. They also offer a Fire Master package, complete with custom cooking gear and even a sexy stainless lid. Of course, I'll include a link on our Facebook group page of all the fire pits that I discussed today, and then some Pyramid Fire Pits and Stall. S T A H L are both out of Portland, Oregon, and both have a steel plate design that slides together to create angular designs. Both companies offer a gas option ideal for those who might have HOA restrictions or just prefer the simplicity of a gas fire pit. Both also offer a portable option that you can take with you to the beach or wherever you may roam. And now for the questions to ask yourself about your backyard space and your reason. Question number one Do I want to cook over my fire pit? If you do, what do you envision cooking? A pot of chili or steaks? Your answer will help you decide what kind of fire pit you want because some lend themselves to grilling more whereas others come with hanging pots, specifically for slow cooking stews and whatever your heart desires. Question number two. Do I have space in the ground for the fire pit to occupy? Or, would I rather have a style that hovers over the ground that can be moved in for the winter or moved to another location, say, if you sell your house? I asked Mike about this as it pertains to the cowboy cauldron.
0: Which is why the the dude is so nice, because it allows people to take their cauldrons with them. You can't believe how many people own more than one cauldron.
1: Question number three. Will there be young children around when I use the fire pit? If you know there will be kids around, it's best to go with one of the more child-friendly designs. There are some models that pose less of a threat to little ones. Question number four. Do I want my fire pit to be wood-burning or gas, and do I want it to be portable?
0: I think the, the furthest distance, we've sent quite a few to Japan. We've sent a couple of dozen into Europe, a bunch to the Caribbean. The Prince of Qatar owns nine of them. We sent a big bunch to him. Uh, so they go all over the world. One of the things that I'm most happy about the cauldron, I get photographs, and phone calls, texts all the time from people. Oh, we love our cauldron. Look what we did with it. Here are my kids. On three different occasions, I've had men buy a cauldron for themselves for their 80th birthday gift to themselves, I can't think of a higher
1: compliment. I really can't, it's so satisfying. Here's a great recommendation. Save your cardboard egg cartons and stash them in a bin to use as fire starters. They burn longer than newspaper, allow air to move through more easily and don't make as much floating ash. What good would an episode about fire pits be if I didn't touch on the topic of s'mores? I want to introduce a couple alternate takes on the concept and tell you that roasted marshmallows are divine between two molasses cookies. I have several other recipes listed on a blog post on my website that I'll list here for you to visit and peruse. I mean, dark chocolate and cinnamon? How about a sprinkle of cayenne pepper to offset the sweet? So many glorious options to be had. An episode that goes hand in hand with this one is episode 25, all about creating great outdoor spaces. So if you haven't listened to that yet, certainly check it out. This episode even includes a list of 35 ideas for your outdoor spaces too. What do you aspire to become? Envision your best life. What does that look like? episode five is all about spaces that don't get used. Take the space in your home that gets used the least and see how you can re-envision it to support the daydream that you have for yourself. If you happen to know someone in the market to buy or sell in the Oregon City or Portland, Oregon area, kindly send them my way. The finest compliment I could ever receive is the confidence of your referral. Did you know you can hire me no matter where you live? Yes. If you'd like to hire me as your home coach, reach out to me through social media or my website, spaceandreason.com. Simply click on the link, imagine, and you'll find choices there. Thanks for sitting in on this conversation about creating a home that thrives. Before you go, write a review because it lets others know that this is a podcast worth listening to. Have a great day.